All right. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Thank you all for coming here today. Um, my goodness, that was great. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day, for this Shabbat, Lord, that we're able to come to you and gather. <laughs> Father, we just thank you. Lover of our soul. We thank you for everything that you're doing through us and in us and just you're here with us and we know it, Lord. We thank you that in everything, Lord God, we have freedom and we have peace in you. Lord, today as I bring this message that you gave to me, I thank you, Lord, that we will have a better understanding of your word and of your scripture. But thank you, Lord, that these are not my words, Father, that these are the words that you're going to speak through me and let it not be anything that I have to say at all. We give you honor in everything, and we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you, Father, that you're speaking to us today. In Yeshua's name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Anybody recognize this? So, um, how many here have uh, watched The Chosen? So... Um, a couple of weeks back, there was an episode, and I know Brian, if y'all listened to the, uh, the live stream that Brian did um, back in January, he actually kind of hit on this as well, um, but I'm going to be coming at it from a different angle. So um, this story has a huge impact on my life. It really did. Um, I was raised in the Christian church. I was raised, you know, uh, kind of Pentecostal, charismatic. You know, we believed in speaking in tongues and healing the sick and raising the dead. And we, yeah, I, I mean, we saw so many things growing up. Uh, we saw the miraculous. Um, coming 2005, it was, um, I went to a church and they did this thing that was really strange to me. I didn't understand it. It was called Arab Shabbat. Really had no clue what that was. Um, but I went with a family member to this church and they still were a Sunday church, but they did this Arab Shabbat thing. And I was like, okay, kind of cool. I like this. I can, I can kind of see where this is kind of cool. And the, the message that night was on the woman with the issue of blood. And as he sat there and taught about this and, and spoke about, here's this woman who Jewish woman who understood, who was raised knowing the Torah. She was raised knowing the scripture. She was raised knowing the prophets. And the prophet told us that the Messiah would come with healing in his wings. And so this woman, now, again, if you've watched The Chosen, sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this, but this woman, the way they portrayed her, like she walked everywhere. She had this issue. Um, at one point in the show, I mean, obviously this isn't in scripture, but in the show, she even went, she was trying to make money. They were in these little tent city and she was trying to make money and she went, well, the guy sees her that she's bleeding and he throws down the clothes. And he's like, now you've made me unclean, you know? And he was like, get away from me. Just made her feel terrible. And, you know, and she walked around for years with this with this sickness that she had, where she was just constantly bleeding. Doctors couldn't help her. Doc, no, there's nothing that anybody could do. Um, I'm sitting here telling you the story, and I actually just want to go to the scripture and read it. Um, so this is actually found in uh, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 22. 
because today what we're going to be talking about is the miraculous. And we're not just going to be looking at scripture. We're actually going to be looking at some modern day examples of this as well. <clears throat> so in verse 22, um, says one day when Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he told them, let's cross over and go to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. And then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were, they were begin, uh, being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? Just a few verses later, we're going to jump down to uh, verse 40 now. <clears throat> when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. And they were all expecting him. Just then, a man named Jairus came. He was the leader of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and pled with him, pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him, and a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, I love Peter, right? Master, the crowds are, are hemming you. Oh, sorry. The crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone touched me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out for me. When the woman saw what that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all the people. And she declared the reason that she had touched him and she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he, an he answered him, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, stop crying, because she is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him, because they knew that she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he gave the orders to them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but instructed them to tell no one what had happened. So, what is a miracle? Um, and this is going to be a little bit different today because I have a lot of notes, and I'm probably going to be reading a lot of them because I've, I've actually was reading. I got started on this because I started reading a book by uh, Craig Keener, um, Miracles Today. And it really made me just start thinking about exactly what um, God still does in our lives today. Um, there's a huge move and there has been for hundreds and hundreds of years called cessationism, where that means that basically after John died, he was the last apostle that was alive. After John died, that was it. No more healing, no more miracles, 
no more power of God on the earth at all. And that's just where we live today. And I'm here to tell you that that's just not true. Okay. I've seen it myself. I've seen it in the lives of people around me. And I want you to know that the same God that did miracles then is alive and well today. And he's still doing miracles today. Okay. Um, so a miracle, uh, probably the most common definition throughout history has been a divine action that transcends the ordinary course of nature and so generates awe, something that would never happen on its own. Okay, now we see many, many examples. I just gave you three right there, okay, just in that one chapter in Luke. Um, but we're going to look at some more. Um, creation itself, that was a miracle. That it's not something natural. It's not something that just happens every day, right? Um, that in and of itself was a miracle. Sarah conceiving at the age of 90, that's a miracle. Uh, the flood, another one. Uh, the fire that consumed the prophets of Baal. Tell me that wasn't, right? Um, the water's parting just in time as Pharaoh's army is approaching and the waters part just in time for them to cross over. And just moments after they cross, it comes crashing down on their enemies. That's a miracle. Uh, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah standing in the midst of the fiery furnace. Okay. Um, those are just some examples from the Old Testament. As we look in the New Testament, we see Jesus's ministry with many, many, many people coming to him, Jews and Gentiles coming to him for healing, for to do all the things. And it gets kind of confusing sometimes because you're like, well, Jesus healed this person. Why not this person? He literally went to the pool of Siloam where the man was. He'd been his whole life sitting there trying to get to the pool to jump in for the right time to be healed, but he never could make it in time. Well, he goes and heals this one man, but what about all these other people that were around there that probably could have used a healing as well? What was different between him and them, right? And so those are just questions that we have to always look at and, and still wonder because we don't know why, like Jesus didn't go to every hospital, every, you know, every place that there was somebody, you know, we have uh, teachers and people out there who have this gift of healing in their lives. Why are they not going to every hospital and just raising every single person that's there. So um, we saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay. Um, Jesus sent out the 12, told them, what did he tell them? Go heal the sick, raise the dead. He wasn't talking about himself. Okay. He told the 12, and this is actually before he even did the uh, um, healing, raising the girl from the dead. He told them to go out and raise the sick and heal or raise the dead, heal the sick, um, cleanse people of leprosy, right? And they did. They came back with all these amazing stories. So what happens next? Then he sends out 72 others and tells them to go do the exact same thing and came back with so many signs and wonders and stories that would astound, I'm sure, if we were there. So um, Jesus feeds 5,000 with two fish, five loaves. I can't even imagine being there in that situation where the baskets just keep on filling up and they feed everybody. And it wasn't just that they got filled. They were all full. And then there was baskets left over full of food. Um, Peter walked on water, y'all. 
We always think about the negative part of that, that, oh, he sunk and Jesus had to save him. Peter walked on water. I've never walked on water. Okay, so to tell me that he didn't have faith for this miraculous thing, that's insane. Peter walked on water, y'all. Um, we see the uh, apostles all through the book of Acts. They're doing all kinds of crazy things. Um, uh, I wanted to read for you Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So wait, hold on. They were going to the temple to pray? That sounds kind of Jewish to me. I'm just sorry, but okay. So, <laughs> so a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg for those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he started to en and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were all filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Right? This is amazing. God still, Jesus had already left the earth. He'd already gone sitting at the right hand of the Father. And here are the apostles still carrying out his work on the earth. Okay. Um, we see them. We see in this in the book of Acts, we see buildings being shaken. Okay. That's not a natural thing unless there's an earthquake, right? Um, Dorcas was brought back to life. Saul was blinded. It was a miracle, but then he was also healed from his blindness. Um, demons were cast out. Paul and Silas were set free from their impris imprisonment. Um, Someone was healed just by Peter walking by and his shadow hitting them. Again, Peter, come on, he's my favorite, so I gotta, yeah. Um, many, multiple times in the book of Acts, it says many signs and wonders were being accomplished at the hands of the apostles. Okay. And it wasn't just the apostles because there was many other people that were going around at this time. There was a lot more than just the, um, the 12, there were so many more people that were following and, and they were all involved in these great miracles. So today I want to take us a little journey here and what we're going to do. So now we've seen a lot of great examples from scripture, but now we're going to take a look at some stories outside of scripture. Um, and we just want to see how God's mighty hand is still at work today in our lives. Um, so now I'm going to read you from uh, Craig Keener's book, and this is just some statistics and everything. So a 2006 Pew Form survey of just 10 countries on the continent, uh, uh, sorry, from four continents, suggests that about 200 million Pentecostal and Protestant charismatics in those countries alone claim to have witnessed divine healing. Perhaps more surprisingly, some 39% of Christians in those countries who are not Pentecostal or Protestant charismatics also claim to have witnessed divine healing. Hundreds of millions of people around the world claim to have witnessed such experiences. Such figures are at best merely estimates. 
Nevertheless, it seems clear that we are talking about a lot of people. No one would claim that all of these reports involve genuine miracles, but neither is it reasonable for anyone to simply ignore all of them while claiming that there is no credible witnesses for miracles. Indeed, it is surely intellectually dishonest to dismiss them from the start or on the basis of uniform human, human experience, or to simply go cherry picking among the least plausible examples to justify neglecting more plausible ones. These experiences seem more common in some places in time and at times than others. One Western researcher, for example, who astonished, who was astonished to discover that 83% of the people he interviewed at a church in the Philippines had experienced significant healings. Nevertheless, even societies less prone to express such experiences may include members who have experienced them. Another survey shows that more than a third of Americans claim to have witnessed or experienced what they believe to be divine healing. Still another survey reports that more than a quarter of Americans, 27%, experienced a physical healing that could only be explained by a miraculous healing and not solely as a result of normal process, medical procedures, or the body healing itself. While many uh, while many, many may be too intimidated to discuss these experiences publicly, some 38%, close to 100 million Americans, express belief that they had experienced some sort of divine miracle. So, <clears throat> what are some examples? Okay. I'm going to start with one that's a, it's a hard one for me because it was a, a personal um, my son, when he was born, at about six months old, they told him that uh, they told us they, they did an EKG on his heart. Uh, he had a big hole in his heart. Um, they didn't know if he was sorry. They didn't know if he was going to make it. Um, so a lot of kids are born with heart murmurs. We, we don't understand that. Most people don't even know that a lot of kids are born with heart murmurs. They actually just tend to go away on their own. Um, and a heart murmur is just a small hole in the heart. That's all it is. Um, and the majority of them just go away. They heal on their own over time as they grow. My sons, they said it would not heal itself. Um, <laughs> I, I was distraught. I was a wreck. And I went to church and my pastor at the time, he told me, Brad, I want you to find some scripture. I just want you to find one verse in the Bible. And I want you to take that verse and I want you to start feeding it to him like medicine. Sounded really strange to me, but I'm like, I'll do anything at this point. So I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what to, to go to. But I found Psalms verses one, Psalm, sorry, Psalm 101 verse two. And in that verse, it says, I will walk in my house with a perfect heart. So. Every day, every night, every time I held him, I prayed. And I said, Titus, you will walk in this house with a perfect heart. Well, one night I was going to check on him and I came in. He was asleep and I opened the light. On, I turned the light on and looked and his, he was blue. He wasn't breathing. So rushed him to the hospital. 
And they got him in there. They were looking and the doctors were like, it's not looking good. And we had people come up. We had our pastors come up and they were praying for him and just was not looking. It wasn't, there was not good, but I kept on saying it. No, you will walk in your house with a perfect heart. You will walk in this house with a perfect heart over and over and over again. They ran all kinds of more tests and everything and there over the night. And then suddenly the color came back to them. They were, they got him on oxygen. They got, you know, the blood pumping and flowing and the color came back to him. But then he was. So that's just one. Um, when I was down in Mexico um, on a mission trip, <clears throat> there was a little boy that came in with his mom and never spoken, never heard a word in his life, six years old. And she brought him in. She wanted us to pray. And there was a group of us. There was three of us that went up there and prayed for him. And uh, the one guy that was with us, we were all sitting there praying and all of a sudden, this little kid was completely emotionless, like he had nothing. And then all of a sudden, he just went like that and started looking around. And we were like, what? So we started snapping our fingers on either side of his ears like that. And I'd snap my finger like this, and he'd look over that way, you know, and we'd do it the other side. And he'd look over, and we're like, oh, my goodness, he can hear. And so we just kept praying. And then one of the guys that was with us, he felt prompted in the spirit. And we saw this thing, you know, we saw the same stuff with Jesus. Like he would take and spit in the mud and he would do stuff like that and put, you know, rub it on people, which is gross, but he would do these things. And, you know, and so this guy that was with us, he said, he just felt like the Lord told him to take his finger and put it on the kid's mouth and on his tongue. And I'm like, I'm glad he was there because I do not think I would have had the faith to have done what I heard. But so he took his finger and he just put his, his, his finger on the kid's mouth and all of a sudden the kid just stopped like again it was just almost like a lightning bolt in him or something and he stopped and he just looked at all of us who were just sitting there praying and he just spoke his very first words and he said hallelujah you know so uh we i i the constant question it comes up like we're watching the chosen and we see these people that have never spoken and all of a sudden they're just talking and they're like how can that be they don't even know how to talk how can they don't they have to learn how to talk i would say yes but i saw this kid literally say hallelujah and he'd never spoken a word in his life so you know if god can heal you he can definitely teach you how to speak at the same time so um my dad then when i was a little kid um he stepped, he was at work and he stepped in a hole. Um, he went to a company doctor. They x-rayed him and he had a cracked vertebrae. Um, he was supposed to wear a back brace, um, not supposed to bend over. Now, my dad was an electrician. That takes a lot of work. He was probably most likely not going to be able to work. Um, so he couldn't bend. He couldn't twist. Um, one night, um, <laughs> they were watching the 700 Club. And uh, Pat Robertson spoke and he said, someone is being healed in their back. And my dad was laying down in bed with my mom. They were both laying down watching. My dad jumps up out of bed 
and exclaims, that's me! Went back to work the next day with no pain. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> my mom had this, uh, an issue with her navel. Uh, she was growing up for a long time. It just, it would just bleed. Um, she recalls her mom praying with her with some of the radio preachers back in the day. And they told her to lay, they were saying to lay their hands on their mom and he'd be healed and she'd be healed. Well, she did that. She prayed with my mom. My mom was healed. She stopped bleeding. Like we're seeing these things constantly. Um, there's over a hundred cases in the Vatican dossiers. I know we don't really necessarily believe what the Catholic beliefs and, and, and what they do, but <clears throat> there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of confirmed medical cases where doctors have confirmed these things in the dossiers of um, the Vatican. Doctors acknowledge their astonishment of their patients' inexplicable recoveries. For example, in 1824, Anne Mattingly was suffering for seven years from an ulcerated back and a tumor the size of a pigeon's egg. She was considered beyond medical help at the time. But in Washington, D.C., on March 20th of 1824, she recovered within hours after receiving the sacrament. 35 affidavits affirmed the genuineness of her sickness and recovery. I'm telling you, God is still doing the same thing today. We've got one more example. I'm actually going to have Nick come up and tell us his story. Yeah, sure. Testing. Um, Brad asked me to kind of share my personal experience. Um, so I, I'm 43 years old, um, born in Washington State, and I, I was born with cerebral palsy. So it's short CP. And what it is, is it's a lack of oxygen to the brain. And so for me, it was a lack of oxygen to the left side of my brain, which infects the right side of your body. And so the net result is as a child, normally you have these little markers that parents are looking for at when you walk and when you talk and how you do things. And if you're not hitting those marks at a certain point, they're like, oh, something's not quite developing properly. So they brought me to the doctors and the doctor said he has cerebral palsy. Now, I would like to say up front, I did have a very slight case because I did go to Shriners Hospital and I saw a lot of kids. And these kids have it so bad. Cerebral palsy is when their arms are kind of cocked and that leg is turned in. And a lot of times they're in a wheelchair and they can't talk. And even with what I had, all the muscles in the right side of my body were a little bit smaller. My right leg, I couldn't straighten it because my tendons were shorter. My right arm was actually a good, probably a good six inches shorter than my left. And as a kid... Kids are pretty vicious, but I had a little brace and you go to school, get beat up, bullies and all that stuff. But we were a Christian family and my mom took me to a, a healing service and um, I was about six years old. So it's vivid, but it's, it's a little faded. And uh, at that point, a lady came up and she, she started praying over me and she said, stretch out your arms. And I put both my arms out and naturally one was shorter and she grabs my right arm and she just starts to pull it and pulls it and pulls it to the same length as my left arm. In a matter of seconds, my both my arms were equal. And as a kid, 
I was just like, my eyes were huge, you know, and I just went running around the auditorium. I was freaking out, like, whoa, you know. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, I still couldn't straighten the right leg. It wasn't like my whole body had been restored, but God showed me that he was miraculous and he was able to pull that arm out. And then a few years later, or not a few years, probably, probably a good eight or probably about 10, 11 years later, I was in England with a friend and I went to a healing service and I was sitting there and the, the healing minister says, come, come up if you want healing. And here's the thing. I struggled like, why didn't God finish the healing? And I would go up to healing calls and come back unchanged. It's a question we all ask. What happens when we walk up and we ask for something that God says is freely for you to take, yet you don't receive it? And so I go up there, and I was like, but I was like, God, I will go every single time, even if I come back the same. I will go because you remain faithful, you know? And so I went up, and this guy, he has me sit on a chair, and he puts my fingers, or he puts his fingers underneath my heels. You know, everyone does things a little differently in that little arena, you know? So all of a sudden, my legs are just kind of flipping around. It's really weird. It was weird. It was awkward, you know? And he wasn't moving his fingers, making my legs flip around. Like, there was something going on, right? But all of a sudden, I feel, because like a car, if your alignment's off over a while, you, it starts, It's over time, it starts to ruin the car. So my hips at this point, because I didn't have a, one of my tires was off. My hips were crooked. My spine was crooked. And I looked normal, but at the same time, it was something that was a problem. And all of a sudden, I feel my, my hips just go, and I feel my spine just go, and I'm just like, whoa. And again, God was faithful. But again, I still can't straighten this leg. And I stand before you today with a leg that isn't straightened. But, you know, I know God is miraculous. And I don't exactly know why there's promises and there's blessings that we ask for that we don't quite receive. But I know if you would have talked to me as a six-year-old after I had my arm stretched out, my testimony at that moment would have been vivid. And as a, I don't know how old I was when in England, but let's say I was 13, that my testimony right there would have been vivid. So I trust that sometimes God waits and holds back that blessing because there is someone that needs to hear it when it happens. And sometimes they need to hear us still having faith between the miracles, contending for those miracles. So I'm taking over a little bit, don't mean to, but, but that, that's my testimony. That's where I'm at. I'm still in the, and I will continue to go up every single time. There is not one time I won't go up if God calls me up. But I want you to know He does heal. I am living evidence of that. And I know many of you may have similar experiences in your life. This doesn't make us special. It makes Him great. And so that's my story. I'm sticking to it. So. Thank you so much, Nick. I mean, praise God, right? Uh, I have one more story I want to read. Um, this one happened back in the 1990s. This one's going to be a little bit different because we're actually going to hear a, uh, we're going to hear this healing. So we're actually going to play a clip and you're, you're going to get to hear firsthand this man being healed. Uh, Dwayne Miller, his greatest enjoyment came from preaching at a small church and singing songs of worship. It wasn't just his livelihood to be a Baptist congreg to be in a Baptist congregation, 
It was his passion. It was his calling, his source of joy, and his satisfaction. He woke with the flu one Sunday morning. His throat was like sandpaper, and his voice would catch on his words. Each syllable was painful to speak. The flu soon disappeared, but his windpipe remained ablaze and his voice reduced to a raspy whisper. His throat felt constricted as if someone were choking him. For all practical purposes, Miller's voice was gone. No longer able to preach, he resigned from his pastorate. Um, Insurance stopped covering his treatments and he was faced with thousands of dollars in medical bills. Over three years, he was examined by 63 physicians and their teams. His case was even scrutinized by a Swiss symposium of the world's leading throat specialists. The diagnosis, the flu virus destroyed the nerves of his throat, of his vocal cords, rendering them limp. When Miller asked about his prognosis for recovery, a doctor told him zero. Three days later, despite Miller's uh, protest, Sunday school uh, class that he attended at a First Baptist Church in Houston prevailed on him to speak. A special microphone was used to amplify Miller's, voice, uh, Miller's soft, hoarse, croaky voice, and the class of 150 participants agreed to endure the grating sound because of their love for him and his teaching. Now, we're getting ready to listen to this as he, as he was teaching. Uh, this is the actual recording of the miracle from God and the healing of Pastor Dwayne Miller. Ironically, his message that morning was from Psalm 103 that Morgan read this morning. Um, we're in the third verse. God, re- we're in the third verse. It reads, "God heals all your diseases." Miller would say later, "With my tongue, I was saying I still believe that God heals, but in my heart, I was screaming. But why not me, Lord?" He went to the next verse, which says, The Lord redeems your life from the pit. He told the class, I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. As soon as he said the word pit, the choking sensation disappeared. Now for the first time in three years, I could barely breathe freely, he recalled. I heard a gasp from the crowd. And that's when I too realized my voice had come back. I could hear myself. His stunned audience began to clap and cheer, shout and laugh. His wife, Joylene, broke down in tears. I want you to go ahead and listen as we play this for that very moment when God reached out of heaven and touched this pastor. And he heals all of my diseases. Let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does. But I know that he does does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that 
every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, And he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm... But overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> And crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us.
Wow. Uh, praise team, go ahead and come on up. So I guess the question then just becomes, um, why them and not me? Um, if you've been asking God for a miracle in your life, if the thing that you need in your life has just not been coming, say you've been praying for a long time, I want you to know, I want to assure you, my God has no respecter of persons. Okay? What he did for my son, what he did for my mom and for my dad, that little boy down in Mexico, what he did for Nick, he will do for you. Okay? There are people in this room and online watching that have been seeking God for a miracle. But I want you to know that if he healed the blind man, he will do the same for you. If he set at liberty those who are captive, he can deliver you from whatever it is that's been holding you back. If he loved Sarah and Rachel and Hannah so much that he opened up their wombs, he will do it for you. When you've done everything you know to do, <laughs> when you've prayed and when you've cried your heart out, the, the Apostle Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. Keep standing. Don't give up. Having done all to stand, stand. Because I assure you that it is not by your might, it's not by your power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Father, we just come to you, Lord, and we just thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, Father, that your miraculous power is still alive and well today. There is nothing that we cannot have because we believe in you and we honor you and we give our lives and devote our lives to you. We fear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we know that you are the one true God. You are the one who heals our diseases. You are the one who cleanses us. You are the one who sets us free. We thank you, Father God, for your freedom, for your love, and for your compassion that you've put in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that we stand on that today. Now, as the praise team praise brings forth its last song, I'm just going to ask if there's anybody here who wants prayer. I'm going to be up here. I'm going to ask Erica to come up. Um, Lizzie, I want you to come up as well. And um, Brother Willie, you as well. I want y'all to come up here. If you have anything that you want prayer for, come up and we're going to pray. And we're going to believe that God is going to do a miraculous work in your life today.